story, etc. People have been making art online for quite a long time. And uh, we as theatre people are quite new to this. So maybe it's time to sort of take stock and listen a little bit to how other people have been working. Hello. It's been a while. I hope you are as well as you can be. With all that's going on in the world, all the strangeness and uncertainty, it seemed like the best possible time to reach out to storytellers again. We're going to be putting out a series of conversations with people who, in the normal way of things anyway, make, tell and perform stories. These conversations will be recorded remotely, of course, probably facilitated by blanket forts and pillows, and will, we hope, go some way to doing what we are all trying to do. Connect. My chat this episode is with the writer and storyteller Lizzie Milton. So first question is, I guess, how are you? How are things? How are things with you? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's quite a big question, isn't it? Like, Yeah. It's very difficult to process all the different bits because I think, you know, like every every aspect of my life has changed, like in the way that I'm working and the work that I have and where I'm living um, and what I'm doing. Uh, so it just sort of feels like there's there's almost so many things that have happened that I've stopped really knowing how I am anymore. Um, I have, you know, uh, good days and, well, not even really good days, good hours and bad hours. Uh, and I think you just sort of have to ride it out a little bit. Um, yeah. I think I'm, I'm very fortunate in the fact that I still got an income coming in through teaching. Um, I feel a lot for, like, my other fellow artists who have been left pretty high and dry um, in terms of income and what financial assistance is available. Um, so could you just tell us a little bit, I suppose like, um, I guess an introduction to you and the kind of storyteller you are, the kind of artist you are in, we'll call it the real world, in real life. And then we'll talk about how how that is now, like what, what, how that's finding form now. So yeah, yeah, it's like, I guess introduce, introduce us to you <laughs> and what you do. Yeah, so I, um, I'm a playwright uh, and a storyteller. So uh, my work is predominantly through theatre. My work is sort of uh, generally centred around the kind of queer female experience. Um, so my first play, The Breaks in You and I, was a kind of tragic comedy exploring um, like the, the experience of a breakup. Um, and uh, it's about a woman who becomes convinced her ex-wife is trying to control her mind and explores that kind of how we untie from each other. Um, and then there was 10 that was on at a vault festival last year which was a, a brief history of Britain told through 10 influential women. Um, and then heroin, which just happened just before everything changed, um, which was uh, looking at women in folklore um, and representations of women in folklore. Um, and then was that, how, did you ask how it's changed? I said I was going to ask, so I will ask 
that now. Writing for theatre, the implication is like, you know, people in a room watching, listening, engaging with actors or performers on a stage, telling the story that you've written. So as as someone who is still creating during this lockdown, and, I th- and one of the things that is very interesting is how some people are feeling that creating is a way of a way of moving through, a way of coping, whereas I think others are just stalled completely. But um, you've spoken about, um, so you've launched your blog and that kind of thing. I just, yeah, I wanted to talk to you about how, as someone who normally writes for theatre, you have shifted your um, form, I guess, and shifted the way that you're looking to tell stories. Yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, so I kind of like identify with both parts of that statement of you know talking about people feeling like they need a creative outlet and also feeling stalled um I think part of the reason I chose to do a blog was just because I was very keen to do something that was definitely not theatre uh because I feel like it it's it would be a mistake to to rush to respond too quickly um I think there is a a rush to go you know, an impulse to go, how do we make theatre online? How do we do it? And and I think, we, you know, we will have to adapt that and we will have to think about that. But um, I'm not sure for me making anything right now, would it would be a gut response. It wouldn't be a useful response. Um, and I feel very conscious about the fact that, like, actually people have been making art online for quite a long time. And uh, we as theatre people are quite new to this. Um, so it'd be a little bit, maybe it's time to sort of take stock and listen a little bit to how other people have been working rather than leaping in and going, right, I know how to do this digital thing. Um, so I think that's part of it. But I still did want a creative outlet because I think it's stories are a very important way of understanding ourselves, understanding fear, understanding tragedy um so yeah um I think I like prose because it's quite quiet it's quite reflective like you have to it involves your whole kind of mind I think a lot of other forms you can you can consume whilst doing something else you know, like it's very easy with a YouTube video to have it on the background whilst you're doing a million other things. Um, I think the things I like about stories is that it, about the, the prose format is that it is something that you just sort of have to sit and do and you can't be doing anything else. It's interesting what you said about the idea of people having told stories online for a long time, because, so I'd love to ask you a bit more specifically about your blog, because blogging is obviously something is exactly one of those forms. And it is this quite, I guess it's quite old school in terms of the internet, but also it is about, as you said, sitting and reading a story, which is what we've been doing for a really long time. It's just that now we can look at them online. So I guess I'd like to hear a little bit about what it's been like to, so to so some of the stories on your blog, I know it's sort of kind of um, reworked versions of ones that you've previously um, uh, explored in theatre but I'd love to know a little bit about how you're finding blogging specifically and blogging the kinds of stories that you're blogging as well. Um, yeah it's been 
I think I think it's been easier for me to adapt some of my stories from heroin than than it could be for a more kind of traditional theatrical piece because they were already in this sort of storytelling format. Um, so the the transfer was a little bit easier. And I think the style of folklore, you can get away with that slightly more chatty style in prose than maybe some other stories you can. Um, I've definitely felt like the, you know, having to be, uh, creating the liveness, I think, has been a challenge in the story because, like, everything just happens in the present tense in theatre and it's it's happening as you as you're telling it and so that liveness is kind of built into the form um so the challenge of how to not make prose go stale on the page has been um an interesting one to to think about uh and yeah, I think just mixing up the way that you're, you're writing, that you can go from different viewpoints, because theatre, I mean, you can go from different viewpoints of theatre, but, but the audience, you're very well, they're always looking from one kind of angle in. So that is a, is a challenge, but also liberating to have that kind of omniscient view where you can flip between characters and flip between perspectives that's um have you found i'm just thinking in terms of heroin and 10 these quite um i suppose stories that are told and, and rely on this idea of fragments like fragmented histories fragments of like different stories being um sort of i suppose woven together so i'm thinking about um heroin and the and the you know the kind of refrain of um i'm gonna get this wrong now that they're, they're they're dead now so it doesn't we can't ask them what what is it uh but they all died a long time ago now so they're not yeah. telling us anything that's the one that's better than my one <laughs> that's the one but so thing i suppose this i you talked about um the fact that theater happens in the present but actually and actually yeah both of those shows have kind of done a lot in terms of actually playing with that idea of presentness and pastness and I guess futureness and how we how those stories weave and come together and are part of our current um mode of storytelling and that and narrative and so that idea of what you're saying about capturing them in prose and having to still keep that liveness and that I suppose like inquisitive nature of looking at the whens and the hows I don't know um in terms of the technical way of doing that I'm not really sure what I'm asking here I, I suppose I'm just interested in learning a little bit more about how you have gone about doing it and how you have um what the sort of literal process of of taking uh, pieces that you would normally be telling in this kind of shared way with different voices and things like that and keeping that on the page on the screen um i think i think there's an element to which some of that stuff can't be kept uh like it's not 
it's not theatre at the end of the day and it's never going to be so if I try and make it quite like what it'd be like on stage then I'd be sort of missing the point um but I think you you can still have some of that fun in language and there's still a lot of it's finding the opportunities to sort of let those character voices kind of seep through in the in the writing because you can have those moments of you know sort of showing how a character is sort of processing the information um but then there's also i think a lot a lot more fun to be had like there's a lot more place for maybe imagery and poetry um and perhaps a little more um i don't really know what i'm saying here um yeah, I think I, th I think the imagery and the poetry and the metaphor because people have more time to sit with it. Um, and like, I like I like making my words very pretty in my scripts, but I'm also quite aware that a lot of the time there's only so much point in it because like it's a line that's gone and then people forget it. They might remember a couple of lines from the play that they really like, but you know, you don't relish the structure of language in. That's not what you go to the theatre for. You go for like the, the feeling of it. Um, whereas I feel like with prose, there's more opportunity to really kind of relish the structure of it and the, how you put all the parts together. Um, I mean, I think there's something very nice about folklore, kind of going back to what you're saying about the past, present and future, that it it, it has all those elements tied into it. Like you can't not, feel that kind of each bit of folklore has been kind of told uh, a thousand times in a thousand different ways and so the stories always carry that history with it they're interwoven with it and there's a presentness of you know telling it right now and I think I I always want to write my stories in such a way that you could read them out loud like they should read as if they are being spoken I guess there's still that element of it um you know and they carry us through to the future because folklore is about exploring the the kind of unknown and the the darkness and the the kind of stages of life that we go through so they are there as kind of I think it's a way of kind of trying to map out our lives and our our, our world and a way of understanding what might come yeah I think that's a very very good way to put it um is there anything i'm just trying to I, I mean i'm sure you've i think everyone who's kind of in any way like who's kind of plugged into or who's part of the i was gonna say well who's part of like a community the community of like people who are making things but but actually i think everyone because ev in some ways everyone is kind of plugged into that mo um but is there anything you've kind of I suppose noticed or anything that you feel like you're tracking in terms of I don't know what the what storytellers are doing other things that you're noticing coming up I mean I'm thinking in terms of like things like Twitter or what people are putting out there or what you or anything you've noticed about the kinds of things people are saying like consuming or or um or anything but I suppose basically from the perspective of someone who is a storyteller themselves 
is there anything that you're noticing about either the stories that people are generating in how whichever way I suppose right now or the stories that people seem to be consuming or seeking to consume at the moment um I think it's probably a little early to see properly exactly how it's going to map out because we're only in the first couple of weeks Mm. I think I've noticed personally I have less of an appetite for dystopia than I once did um uh, I used to, I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of sci-fi generally, and um, I particularly love kind of dystopian fiction. Uh, and I find myself <laughs> veering away from it. Um, yeah, and I, and I think m- maybe that's a more, a, a more general thing from the last couple of years. I found more of a hunger for hope than there once was. Um, I guess because we need it more now, because it's hard to find it. Um, I don't feel like I need need to be reminded how terrible the world is. It's it's there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I wouldn't be surprised if we see uh, a resurgence of things that kind of explore stuff that we can't do as much now. Like maybe the you're kind of like traditional sort of road trip journey or something like that or adventure kind of going through wilderness and large open spaces I, I I wonder if people will find a hunger for that because it's something that we we can't have very easily now yeah I bet I think that could well be true yeah um so before we finish is there anything that kind of I don't know like so normally at this point in interview, I will I will always ask like, is there anything like where can we find you, and is there anything um, of yours that you can tell us about and plug? Um, but also, is there anything of anyone else's that you're finding, I don't know, solace in or enjoying, or I don't know, it could be any anything, any recommendation as well. But let's start with you. <laughs> uh, well, the best way to find me would be through my twitter and uh my blog because the blog's basically the big thing that i'm doing at the moment um and then what i would recommend that's a tricky one i don't (laughs) what am i watching at the moment that isn't just like reruns of star trek (laughs) um (laughs) Reruns of Star Trek is a, is a great recommendation. <laughs> I would heavily re- recommend DS9 if anyone's got spare time on their hands. Um, I think my friend uh, John Henry Fall is doing um, like Twitch streams of reading out um, ghost stories and spooky stories, uh, which is really good and really fun. Uh, and he also has one at, I think it's like two o'clock, which is for kids. It's really nice if anyone has kids. Um, I think like listening to stories is really nice right now. I think that's something that I find I, I want a lot. Um, it's a very silly thing and quite a niche market. But uh, my friend Chaz is doing a Twitch, doing um, it's replaying through Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney. We're doing the uh, 
getting actors to voice act all the different parts. Um, and Phoenix Wright is like this old school, um, I guess you'd call it a point and click adventure, but it's not really that. Uh, and you play as a defense attorney uh, and you have to, like it's very silly, everyone's screaming like objection all the time. Um, and that's just sort of pure silliness. Uh, it's not of, yeah, it's just a, a silliness and joy and playfulness. Um, other than that, there's a lot of good live streams of theatre if people want to go back through that. There's some really great ones. Um, Nastasia Summers has a huge thread on her Twitter, which is like all the great Polish theatre. So it's a great time to maybe explore international theatre and sort of expand horizons. Yeah, I think those would be my recommendations. Thank you so much to Lizzie. You can find her on Twitter at Lizzie underscore Milton. Her blog is full of strange and beautiful stories. We've linked it in the show notes, as well as further information about Lizzie's recommendations. If you are a storyteller of any kind and would be interested in being featured on the podcast, do get in touch. There is no set criteria for what we're making here. We can talk about your work, if you're managing to do any, but we can also talk about pretty much anything else. We would love to hear from you. Story Etc. was produced and presented by Eleanor Rushton. The supervising editor was Pato Rushton Morales at Black Horse Studios, and the music was composed by Odin Ornhill Marson. My guest was Lizzie Milton. Story Etc. is an audio scribble production. Thanks for listening. <laughs>